Hey, why don't you stand? We're going to read Matthew. We're going to read a scripture from Matthew and a scripture from Acts. We're in our vision series. And this month we've been talking about salvation because our vision is to serve, save, shape our world for Jesus Christ. And, and um, so we're talking about the whole idea about salvation, what it does to us, what it's for, why Jesus came. So today we're going to talk about kind of what we do with the salvation that we've been given. Matthew chapter 28, Matthew writes about Jesus giving us a commission. The 11 disciples that are there with him, giving him a commission to go forward and keep doing what Jesus had done. So we're going to read about that. Are you ready? You better turn to your neighbor and say, you could do better than that. Are you ready? Okay. Matthew chapter 28. We'll start in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, or came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of Hedgesville. What's it say there? Just checking. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then we'll flip to Acts chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and teach. That's not, his former book wasn't titled Theophilus. He was writing to Theophilus. Everybody got that? This is Luke writing this. I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion while he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to Hedgesville. Just checking again. What's it say? All right. All right. You don't have to yell. To the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Father, we thank you this morning. God, you've got a plan for our lives. It's not a small one. Lord, in both of these scriptures, you tell us the whole world. It's a a huge undertaking, but God, you have called us to do it. We pray, Lord, that because we were together today, we'd be confident of your calling. We'd be empowered. And Lord, we pray that you'd renew our minds to trust you for how we do that. We thank you for it, and we, we are counting on it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated.
It is, uh, it is great to see you. I do want to reiterate, if you're not part of a connect group yet, join one that's super easy to do. You can go out to the kiosk. We've got two little kiosks. All you have to do is pick one, put your email address and name in, and boom, the internet takes care of everything. So just go sign up and do that and uh, just join together and grow in this next season. And um, we're trusting God for good things. Amen? Amen? All right. So... Jesus at this point in time has died. He's resurrected. Luke writes in the book of Acts that he has appeared over a period of 40 days. So you imagine like from today to the end of September. It's not a long time. He's appeared over about a period of 40 days with many convincing proofs, the Bible says. Luke is writing with many convincing proofs. He's appeared to his disciples and to other people and he is This is the farewell tour, if you want to say. You're like, I don't believe the Rolling Stones are still alive, but I saw them in concert, so what can I say? So Jesus is resurrected, and now he's revealing himself to people. In in some instances, the Bible says he sits down and eats with people. They touch him. He's a physical presence with them. It's not a a ghost. He, He is physically with them, so they... They can witness the the glorified, resurrected body of Jesus. So Matthew is writing, at the end of his account of what all of Jesus had done, he's writing that Jesus tells the disciples that there's a pre-planned meeting place in this 40 days. Meet me on the mountain, and there's some things that I want to tell you. Luke's recording says uh, that Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem, you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, so these are kind of, these are, these are the, these are two accounts of Jesus's commissioning disciples. All right. The 11 guys that are still with him. We know that Judas betrayed him and, and uh, had a tragic death. And so the 11 now Jesus is getting ready to commission them. So these are vantage points of, of that commissioning. I'm not sure they happened on the same day, but, but you can be commissioned over several days. You understand that? So the, the important thing to look here is that Jesus is looking at the disciples who've been walking with him. They have, they have committed their lives to him. They have, they have, um, seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him heal. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him do unbelievable, miraculous things. Now they're sitting in front of his resurrected body and he's telling them, okay, now you've, you've seen me do it. Now, now you go into all the world and make disciples. I don't know about you, but that's, that could be a little daunting. I don't know if you worked anywhere before for Let's say you worked there three or four years and all of a sudden the, the boss comes in and says, all right, it's your turn now. You do the whole thing. You'd be like, whoa. So Jesus is sitting in front of them and he's saying, hey, listen, now you go into all the world and make disciples, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I don't know about you, but I'd have been sitting there going, everything you commanded me? I mean, I didn't take notes on some of it. I just figured you'd be around. We know that they were counting on him being around because in Luke's, in Luke's description of Jesus talking about this, 
They're asking him, now are you going to, is your kingdom going to come to pass? So they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're glad that you've called us to do this, but we're, we're counting on you sticking around. So Jesus kind of knocks that down. He says, Hey, listen, that's not for me to decide, but here's what you do. You'll receive power when the Holy spirit comes on you to be my witness. And then it's the same thing. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, um, so he's commissioning these disciples. He's saying, look, I have a job for you to do and I'm not going to be here. So it's your job now. Now, I I don't know about you, but I've never been accused of not having confidence. (laughs) I heard somebody say one time, always confident, seldom right. Maybe you could apply that to somebody, you know, but in this situation, I would I think I'd be a little nervous. Anybody else in the house be a little nervous? That Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is standing in front of you saying, now you do it. You've seen what I've done. You've heard what I've taught. Now you go teach everyone what you've seen and heard. You go do the same thing. I'd be a little nervous. And and actually today, I I think we start talking in those terms we, we do get a little nervous still today when we start talking about, oh, go into all the world. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't get on planes. Well, well go to your neighbor. Like they don't mow their grass. I know you don't witness to them because you're like, I, I, if I say something about Jesus, I'm out to bring up the grass. I, I mean, I can't separate the two. If they're going to be discipled, they got to learn. Keep that, keep that house tidy. That's, that's next to godliness. Keep it a nice yard. It's my property value don't go down. So what happens is um, our testimonies, though, typically don't talk about the present and the future. If you're like me, your testimony typically has to do with the past. And we say things like, man, God has been. Can you finish it? So good to me. God has been so faithful. And we're always pointing back to a time when he forgave us. We're pointing back to the time when he saved us. We're pointing back to a time when we were dirty, rotten scoundrels and he lifted us up. We sang sang about it today. He lifted us up, pulled us out of the clay. We, we always refer to um, our relationship with God a lot of times in the past tense. The testimony of what he has done. Man, if you'd have seen me back then. Some of you are saying, I know you now. If you'd have seen me back then. And, and so we, we tend to shift everything when we talk about God to the past where he was faith. But what you find out here is that, is that Jesus didn't come to the earth just to die and raise again to save us from something. He came to save us to something. Do you get that? 
So he's now looking at the disciples. He said, you've all followed me, but the game's not over. The, the deal's not over right now. It's, it's not done. So you've all followed me faithfully for these, for these couple years. And now you're standing here, even after I've died, resurrected, and you're a little bit confused. Now you're standing here, but listen, it's not over. I didn't just come to redeem you of your sins. I came to give you a calling. That should be exciting to you. It's like another episode of your favorite TV show coming out and you weren't expecting it. You're like, oh, I thought they canceled the show. No, they're coming back. Yay. Downton Abbey is coming out with a movie. Half of you went, are you kidding me? No, we watch it. So imagine them being Okay, we're not sure what's going to happen. This could be the end. We're not sure. Are you, going to, are you going to bring your kingdom now? No, that's not for me to know. But here's what I want you to do. This thing's going to keep going forward. I didn't just save you from yourself. I saved you to something. I didn't just come to save you from your sins. And then you just sit back and enjoy the grace I've given you. That grace now propels you into ministering to others. It propels you into going to the whole world. Now, I will make a caveat that the whole world at that time was, was quite a bit smaller task. Jesus, in the context of the disciples, was probably talking about the whole Roman world. Nobody was getting on a plane back then and going, hey, we'll just, we'll just take a weekend trip to America and let them know. But now today, the world has grown in some aspects and become smaller in others. We have the internet. We have all these things that make it capable to really actually reach the whole world. So Jesus says, I didn't just call you, or I didn't just save you from yourself. I saved you to something amazing. And now I'm commissioning you. Now I'm saying, this is your role. This is what I've, this is what I've, I've called you to do. This is what I'm wanting you to do. Now from here on out, from here on out, here's the plan. Teach them everything I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go out and make disciples. Well, disciples aren't just people that raise their hands on Sunday morning and say, yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins. Disciples are people who act like Jesus. Amen? So you were not just saved from something, you were saved to something. So that's awesome. And that's encouraging. The problem is, if you're like me and the disciples, now what? Because, because we're getting the idea that you're not sticking around. That you're not going to stay here. That you're not, not going to be with us when, when we do it. We would be a lot more comfortable if you just stayed. Are you going to establish your kingdom now? No, 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 it's not like that. I'm leaving and I want you to do this. Yeah, but you know, that's a big job. That's a, I, we're not sure where to, what to do. We're not sure if we, we have enough confidence. We're not sure if we've got enough authority. How, how are we going to do all this? Jesus makes two statements in both of the, makes a statement in each one of these that I want you to latch on to. In Matthew, he, he makes this statement. I think it's verse 20. Can you put that up there? In verse 20, he says, and I will be with you Sunday mornings from 9.45 to uh, just a little, just around 11. Yeah. 
and I'll be with you at your Bible study on Wednesday night. And I'll be with you and I'll be with you on these specific, no. He said, I am with you always. I'm with you always. You know, I've, I've said to you before, what's, what seems a little bit confusing to me is we come to church sometimes and we invite him here like he's not. I think one of the things I learned when I was a kid that, that God was everywhere. We call it omnipresent. When I was a kid, that used to freak me out because I'd be like, what, you mean he's in my bedroom? That's weird. He's everywhere. His presence is everywhere. Now, not just being present, but showing up on your behalf present because he said, I will be with, I'm commissioning. I didn't just save you from something. I saved you to something. And in light of me saving you to something, I will be with you. I'll be with you. So that means when you're sick, where is he? That means when you're doing well, where is he? That means when you, when you get a promotion at your job, where is he? That means when you just got fired, where is he? That means when your relationship is, is on the rocks, where is he? With you. He says, I will be with you to the end of the age. Now, he wasn't talking about to the end of their age. He was talking about to the end of the age of grace. So past us. When he returns in all of his glory, he said, I, there will never be a break in me being with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. It doesn't say every now and then. It doesn't say when you wake up and do your devotion. It doesn't say when you, when, when you need to win an argument with your wife. It doesn't say, it says always. So now that does make arguing with your wife a little more difficult, doesn't it? You're like, God's with me. No, he's with me. I mean, he's might be with both of us, but I'm right. Is that possible? So when you're praying for your favorite sports team, he's with the other team as well. I'll be with you always. Can I propose to you that should be a huge confidence spike for you? Jesus is looking at the disciples, knowing what he's getting ready to call them to and saying they couldn't do this if I wasn't with them. So he makes sure they understand. I didn't just save you from something. I'm saving you to something. And I will be with you always. He said, if I've, if I've asked you to do this, if I've called you to this, then I'm going to make sure you're equipped to do it. I'm not going to leave you. What he's called us to, he has always equipped us for. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So here's the, here's the neat thing about Matthew's book. He starts out in Ma- at the beginning of his book, is the beginning of his account of Jesus, and he calls him Emmanuel. Does anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. He ends in chapter 28 with the same statement, saying from God himself. So I know if you're like me, there's been seasons of your life where you're going, hey, where are you? Job had him. Job said, I look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. I don't even know where he is. But when he, when he has tried me, I will be as pure as gold. He says, even though I don't feel him currently, I know he's with me, working on me. He said, when he has tried me, I know he's working, he's with me, working on me currently. So what happens is Matthew says, Emmanuel, God with us, he came down and then he never left. 
He ascended, but when he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit and never left us. So Matthew starts out with Emmanuel and he ends with Emmanuel saying, I'm still Emmanuel. It's like six dimensions just came together right there. Matthew's writing about God with us and the God with us tells us he's God with us. Some of you will get that. Maybe never. So what he has called us to is equipped us for. And then if you couple that with what he says in Acts chapter one, he says, you'll receive power. Not only will I be with you, but I will empower you. So here's what he says. They put up, but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Do you notice the, the definitive statement there? Not, I'm asking you, please, would you do this? No, he says, you will be my witnesses. There's no question mark by it. He said, I saved you from yourself, but I saved you to this. And how do I know you're going to do it? Because I'm with you and I've empowered you to do it. I've set you up so you can't fail. Man, that feels good, doesn't it? I've set you up so you can't fail. So he's, he's equipped us with everything we need. He's given us not only his presence, but his power. He says that, that he has authority over everything. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't a district manager? You ever been on the phone with somebody and say, can I speak to the manager? And they say, well, yeah. And then you get to the manager and then you realize the manager can't make the decision. And you're like, listen, I'm sure you're a nice person, but I need to talk to somebody that can say yes. I've done it on the phone before. Obviously, the extent of your power is to say no. I need to have somebody who has all authority. You got anybody all authority in up in that place? I want my cable bill lowered right now. And you can't do it. I want all authority. So Jesus tells them, Matthew records, he tells them, I have all authority. Nothing is beyond my reach. Nothing is beyond my control. Nothing is beyond my touch. I have all authority given me. And then he tells them, then Luke records that he tells them, you will receive power. What kind of power do we get from him? We get the power that he's got. We've said it over and over this month. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that he, that he breathed life into people here on earth. The same power to overcome. The same power to heal. The same power to have peace. The same power to have, to have strength. The same power. He equipped us in every way. He said, I will be with you and then the power I have will become yours. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. For what? You need to tell people, you need to make disciples, you need to witness. This is what you're going to do. If I've called you to it, I'm equipping you for the whole thing. You know, there's an issue with this and I need to, I want to, talk the rest of our time before we have communion about our mindset. There's, a, there's an issue with this. How many of you have more than one electrical outlet in your house? Anybody have more than one? Like when you built the house, you were like, dude, we want to keep costs down. Just put one in the kitchen. <laughs> Just put one in the kitchen. We'll be fine. 
No, you got one in the bathroom by the toilet so you can charge your phone. You know what I mean? I know how it works. Like, oh, it's dead. You put outlets everywhere, but that doesn't mean you you utilize them all. So there's power accessible to you, but you're not plugging in everything into it. That's how your house works. So it's the same way in our saved lives. If we only refer to what he has done, then there's power available to us that we're not utilizing. It's like having one outlet and pl- or having 50 outlets, but arguing over the one that, it, wait, wait a second, we have access to more power than that. So yes, that was what, what was done in the past, but now let's look to what he has called us to do in the future and let's plug more things in. Amen. Forget about the electric bill. He said he had power. So, so watch what happens. We were, uh, yesterday we were changing out a door at a, at a, a gentleman's house and, and it was an old door. Anybody remember the straight head screws? Anybody remember them? Wow. So my friend Jamie was there. He had all his tools there and I had to take this door off and it had old hinges with straight head screws. And I, I, I got a drill out of his trailer and, and uh, impact, you know, we were going to use an impact drill. We can get this thing done quick. And I asked him, I said, hey, do you have a straight head drill bit? He went, <laughs> ain't got nothing like that. He builds new houses. I said, okay. He comes out of the trailer and he hands me a straight head screwdriver. <laughs> well, this doesn't fit my hand. So I proceed to go over to the door and I proceed to unscrew the four, six, four, eight, twelve screws. And I'm realizing there's a more powerful way to do this. But I'm not using it. So I got the screw out, went to the next one. And as my wrist started hurting, I realized there was a more powerful way to do this, but I'm not using it. And then I switched hands. And when this wrist started hurting, I realized there was a more powerful way to do this, but I wasn't. Can I say to you this morning that whatever you're walking through, there may be a more powerful way to deal with it. And God has nothing to do with whether you're actually using it or not. Because he said he'd be with you and give you power. It was up to us to plug it in. Amen? He didn't say, oh, well, I may not be with you when you need me the most. No, he said, I'll be with you always. He said, the power may not be enough for the worst situations in your life. No, he said, you receive power to be a witness Period, full stop, end of story, period. Witness when, witness when, when all hell is breaking loose, witness when your relationships are dying, witness when you don't have any money, witness in every circumstance, witness when you're sick, witness when you're healthy, witness when you're successful. How, how do I do it? Because you plug into the power and he enables you to do it. So what happens is if I refuse to plug into it, then I'm left to have to deal with it on my own. And I don't know about you, but me by myself is dangerous. So watch what happens. 
So it's about mindsets. It's about mindsets. It's about mindsets. So I want to help you with this. How many of you have ever asked God why? I just saw a whole bunch of people go. (laughs) Almost. And then uh, nobody else was being honest. So I'm like right here with that one. Just maybe I was like, wow. If you're like me, you've asked God why a lot. Lord, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Lord, why are you doing this? Why? 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 It's like, it's like the very thing that our two-year-olds do to us that we pray to God would stop. We've never stopped. Why is the sky blue? But yeah, no one knows why the sky's blue. It's just blue. So we, we do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to propose to you that in order to be endued with power, that's one question we should stop asking. And let me, let me walk you through this real quick. One of the things that I believe happened, Matthew records that he had set a pre-planned place to meet them on the mountain. He says, hey, meet up with me. I want to tell you some things. The Bible says if you read it a certain way, if you just glaze through it, you might read it in a chronological order, but I'm not sure it quite happened chronologically, like this happened and then that happened. And if you do a little bit of study, you can see where, where it might look a little different than exactly the way it was, the, it was the way it was translated. So watch this. He goes up and he says, this says they see him, some worship and some doubt. Some worship and some doubt. Some worship and some doubt. And you go, well, that's obvious. I mean, that always happens. Some worship and some doubt. But if you look at it in the context of the disciples being there, you're wondering, they walked with him. Why would they doubt? Why would, they, why would this happen? Why would, they, why would they see the resurrected? Why would Thomas, of all people, who put his hand in his side, did all these things that Jesus walked through locked doors? Why would now? Why would they doubt now? So remember what he asked them though. He didn't ask them to believe that I'm alive. He said, carry on what I'm doing. Two different things here. Some of us have been saved in light of, thanks a lot, Lord. This is awesome. You've redeemed me of my sins. But when he gets to the place where he says, carry on what I'm doing, you're like, whoa. I mean, I play cards on Friday night. You ain't getting away of that. So what happens is now he's taking it a step further and he's saying, you do what I've been doing. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to empower you. Some of them go, yeah. And I think there's a few there that went, what? Any of any, anybody see the, uh, anybody in here see the negative first? Raise your hand so we can all ridicule you. Anybody ever see the problem first, the negative part first? You always see the problem. You're like, somebody says, hey, we should do that. And you're like, how are we all going to get there? Who's going to pay for that? How are we going to do it? Who's going to watch the kids? I just said, let's go outside. Why? Well, well, yeah. So some people are naturally wired that way where we go, where, where somebody says, hey, we should do this. And you go, and automatically, you're just like, ah. you're smiling, you're laughing, you know who you are. Me, I'm like, dude, we'll figure it out on the way. We ain't got any money. We don't got any, we don't even know where we're going. So how do we know that it's bad? 
So watch what happens. Some of them worship, some of them doubt. Some of them, I believe some of them went, all right, Lord, we're game. Some of them went, why? Why are you doing this? Why don't you just stay? Why don't you just do it? Why don't you just, you were so successful at it. You could go into weddings and turn water into wine. People are like, whoa, nobody can kill you now. Why don't we just stick with that? Why? Why does it got to be this way? Why? 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 And what you realize is, as long as you're asking why, you're overlooking the power to do what he's asked you to do. So a couple weeks ago, I looked at my wife and there were some things that had transpired. Uh, about six years ago, we made some decisions and, and some of those decisions turned out to be extremely difficult. We thought, no, 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 no. That's an incorrect statement. Now we thought we knew God was involved in it. And we knew, we knew, we knew, we knew. We prayed, we held hands, we said, God, if you want this to happen, your will be done, not ours. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we believed God was with us. We believed it was for us. We believed it was empowering us. And then, the whole, and then it just got terrible. Anybody ever done that? And I'm not even talking about marriage. Everybody's like, I thought he was going to talk about us. Wow, we piled hands and prayed in front of the preacher and then like three days later, we hated each other's guts. We had no idea what happened. I'm not even talking about that. So, what, so I remember asking, why God? Why, why, why? I don't understand why. I don't understand why. Why would you let this? Why would you, why would you, why would you, why would you, why would you? And then, and then God walked us through it. It was a miraculous thing, walking us, walking us. And he, and he gave me confidence that he's always with me, never leave me, never forsake me, that he empower us to do what he called us to do, that he would let us be witnesses when we never thought we could be in the middle of difficult times. He let us be witnesses. And he, and he would go, go, go. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. It was so, and it was a great transforming experience. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm recounting all that stuff and I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. And I went, oh, I was asking the wrong question. I shouldn't have been asking why, I should have been asking how. Because how assumes that we're going to do it. So, so why, when why may be doubting how is worship. All right, Lord, how you want me to do that? You said we're going to be witnesses, how you want me to do it? I'm going to empower you. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. How do you want me to do it? How do you want me to do it? So, so if we're going to receive power from him, we have to stop asking so many whys. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's some things you'll never understand. You'll never understand. But if I can just say, all right, Lord, how do you want me to do that? How do you want me to do it? You've called me to it. How do you want me to do it now? And you know what I found out in my life? Jesus will be with you every step of the way and give you the how every time you ask. How do you want me to do it? Lord? So here's what I started doing. I told my wife a couple of weeks ago, we were having this discussion and I said this, anybody know the phrase that goes with assume? I hope you don't say that to your kids. So in our culture, assuming is sort of a bad thing. I think spiritually it's a good thing. So if I say, how are we going to do this Lord? I'm assuming that we're going to do it. I'm assuming he's going to be with me and I'm assuming he's going to empower me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So here's what, here's my plan. I want a whole church that just assumes on God. 
I think we should wake up in the morning. I don't care what hits you when you put your feet on the floor. You should just go, I assume you're with me and I assume you've empowered me. How are we going to pull this off? I assume you're good. I assume you're going to do this. I assume, I assume, I assume. And if it makes us look foolish in front of people, the Bible already told us that was going to happen. So now I told Beth, I said, you know what? When something difficult comes into my life, I said, hold me to it. When something difficult comes into my life, I'm going to stop asking God why. And I'm going to just assume it's for his purpose. What did he call us to? He said, go into all the world and make disciples. All right, Lord, what are you going to do? I'll be with you. How are you going to do that? I'll empower you. All right. All right. Hey, this difficulty is coming in my life. Oh, I'm just going to assume it's for the God's glory and somebody's going to make disciples. I'm just going to assume it's for the good of someone else. I'm going to assume that it's God working his plan out in my life. I'm going to assume this. I'm going to assume that he's good, that he's with me and that he's empowering me through it. Because that's what he promised to do. So watch this. You want to make your life easier? Wake up assuming it's on purpose. I didn't say, I didn't say the relationship would get better overnight. I didn't say the sickness would go away immediately. I didn't say you would get a promotion as soon as you walked into work. But when I wake up in the morning and deal with a difficult person and I can assume God is using that relationship to create a disciple, then it changes everything. Then I don't have to wake up going, why, Lord, are you making me work with this person? It's blatantly obvious. Why, Lord, do I have to walk through this? It's obvious now because you called me not only from something, but you called me to something. And that thing you called me to, you promised you'd never leave and you promised to empower me. So I'm assuming that in the middle of this thing, it was part of your plan and you are going to do exactly what you said you'd do. So we walk out of this building. What do we do? We assume on God's goodness. We assume on God's faithfulness and we assume on God's power. Hey, why aren't you nervous about that? Because I'm assuming God's got this all under control. Why aren't you upset about that? Because I'm assuming he knows what's going on. Why, why don't you ask why? Because I'm assuming I don't need to know. Stay to your feet. The band's going to come. We're going to take communion together. I want to leave you this one thing. I'm going to give you a witnessing technique. Are you ready for it? It's more what don't do. <laughs> Have you ever talked to your neighbor who doesn't go to church and it comes up a little bit and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know, God, God's been good, but we've been walking through it, man. We're asking, I just don't understand why. I don't understand why. I don't understand why. Hey, you want to go to church with me? God is good all the time. You know what they just heard? No, he's not. No, he's not. I have done this before. I have told people that God has saved me only to keep me in the dark about everything and cause me to walk through super difficult circumstances. And then I look at them and say, hey, we got a really good church. You want to come with us? Yeah. None of us here have a clue what God is doing. It's awesome. We get together and lift our hands and worship him. And then we go, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I started realizing that I was putting doubt in people before they ever even got to him. God, why? Why? 
Why would you do that to me? Why would you do that to me? And I talked more about not understanding God and not being sure of him and not, not this and not that than I did assuming that he was great. Assuming that he was for me. So now, now I want to look at people and go, hey man, you know what? If you see me walking through a difficult situation, the reason I don't have anxiety is because I already know he's good. The reason I'm not stressed out, the reason I don't have hypertension is because not because my life is stressful, because I already assume that he's empowered me enough to deal with it. The, the reason, the reason, the reason that that it looks like it does even when it's difficult is because I've assumed on his goodness and he has never let me down. So now I'm walking forward in that light. Now I'm, now I'm expecting it to happen. Now I'm assuming it's going to happen. So what he's called me from, he saved me to call me to something and he promised that he would equip me and empower me. And if I'm going to be empowered, I have to start assuming that it's going to be there when I need it. Amen. And your whole testimony changes to people. Hey, why don't you come to our church? Why don't you fellowship with us? Because we already know God showing up. We already know he'll walk you through it. We already know he'll empower you. We already know that your life will be a testimony that you couldn't even imagine writing. But the one that can write your whole story is for you and with you. You should, you should come out. You should worship. You should meet him. There's no other relationship you can do that with but him. And he promises that he'll never fail us, that he'll never forsake us, that he'll be for us and with us the whole time. 